right, we're going to go ahead and jump into our message this morning. We are continuing over these next three weeks this, this message in this series entitled Echoes from Exodus. We've been going through the stories of Exodus. We've been going through some areas that I believe are very relevant to our world today and where we are today. I want to give you a quick, quick, you know, I would say 30 seconds, but I'm going to go longer than that. Recap of where we are in our story. Basically, at this point in time, um, the Israelites have been in Egypt for several hundred years, and now they've been put under the yoke of slavery. Um, God brings Moses, which he was under a death sentence. He was supposed to be killed, but God miraculously saves him, places him in the palace to possibly free his people uh, to, in, in accordance to his promise that he promised to take them back to the promised land. But, but unfortunately, Moses tries to do things his own way. And he, he goes and he kills somebody and he expects that oh, all the people are going to come rise to me. And instead, he runs away and he runs away to the desert. He's in the desert for 40 years until God, through a burning bush moment, comes and, and reveals himself and says, man, I'm calling you back to free fulfill the calling that you had on your life from the very beginning to lead my people to the promised land. Moses fights him a little bit, but eventually he goes and he stands before Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, you got to let the people go. And Pharaoh continues to harden his heart and say no. So God begins to bring plagues. We talked about those last week. We talked about three last week. And, and the plagues begin to come to, to allow Pharaoh to understand finally that he needs to let the people go. Last week we talked about three of those plagues. Today we're actually going to talk about one of them. Now, if you've been here over the course of this series, usually during this part of the message, I read a large portion of scripture. I'm going to give you a little reprieve this week. We're going to read something fat, rather short, comparatively speaking. And so we're going to be in Exodus 10, starting with verse number 21. So if you have your Bible or your phone or whatever you use, jump there, Exodus 10, verses 21 through 23. And this is what it says. Then the Lord said to Moses... Lift your hand towards heaven, and the land of Egypt will be covered with a darkness so thick you can feel it. So Moses lifted his hand to the sky, and a deep darkness covered the entire land of Egypt for three days. During all that time, the people could not see each other, and no one moved. But there was light as usual where the people of Israel lived. Father, I come to you right now, and Father, I believe very strongly that, Father, you have placed this message in, in this moment for a very important reason. Father, I pray that, that you would just speak through me in a way that is just so clear, that is so so life-changing, because, because my words can't do that, but your words will. And Father, as I believe that we are in a place where this, this portion of Scripture is so relevant to where we are as, as a world, that Father, you would help me in this moment. Less of me, more of you, so that your glory could be on display and so that you could change the lives of every individual that hears it, whether it happens today, tomorrow, or 10 years from now. God, I pray that the power contained in your Holy Spirit would be on display enough to change hearts from now until, until we go home with you. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I remember as a kid kind of watching this, this plague unfold. And, and this is one of those that's kind of interesting because it's, it's not necessarily one we typically think about. We, we typically think about the frogs or, I, I don't know about you, maybe it was because I was a weird kid. I kind of liked the thought of the Nile turning into blood. I remember watching the Ten Commandments, you know, I don't remember if it was Easter night or, or whenever it used to be. I think it was on NBC. But, you know, there was a scene and I think it was, um, who's, the, who's, the, who's the guy that was the bald guy that was Pharaoh? Who was his? What was his name? Earl, what? Earl Brenner, yeah. I, 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 I remember him from The Magnificent Seven, I believe, too. Yeah. So anyway, he, 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 I remember him he doing this thing, and he has this pitcher, and he's ready to pour, and he begins, he, at first he pulls out, and he's got normal water, and you know, it's like really fancy-schmancy special effects for 1960 or whenever it came out. And then he poured it, and it was all blood, and everybody screamed, and it was just, you know, I don't know, as a kid, I liked that. And darkness just was like, eh, oh well, is it really that big of a deal? Well, then I begin to look at it. This morning, what I want to do to kind of get us, as we're kind of looking at this plague and kind of some relevant things I believe God is showing us, I want to start by looking at a closer look at this darkness. Because I don't remember for sure exactly how the movie showed this, but I got a feeling that it didn't just go to a blank black screen for three days. So I got a feeling that showed people walking around and so on and so forth. Well, that's not what we see in Scripture. So let's look at this darkness together because I think we need to understand a little bit deeper what God did in this plague. Number one, there's three things that I want to talk about. This darkness was supernatural, okay? This was not a normal darkness. This was something that was deeper, that was greater, something that was actually, uh, something that probably, and probably never had happened before in the history of the world and maybe never has happened since, as I was studying this and I was looking at this, I, 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 I even found people that, that shared this idea that, that this darkness, that since God is light, that it was literally like in Egypt, God removed himself from Egypt. That it was literally like a removal. I, I don't know if that's true or not. It was just their opinion. But it was just such a, there's just a deep supernaturalness to this. This was not just you walking into the room and flipping the light off. There was something more. There was something deeper. There was something intentional about this. The second thing, it kind of goes along with this. This was a darkness that was literally felt. It was a darkness that was felt. In the scripture that we read, it says that basically it was this idea of, it was darkness so thick you could feel it. It was darkness so thick you could actually feel feel it. As I studied this and looked at this, the idea of thick, and this is in your notes, I wanted you to get this. That word thick is translated from the Hebrew word, which means to search blindly with the hands. Have you ever had it been that dark? You know what I mean? Where you're in a dark place or you're in a dark room and you're doing this. You're kind of, you don't know where you're at. You don't know what you're doing. This is the concept that we're getting. It is so dark that people, it even says in the scripture, they don't even move. It's felt. Have you ever been in darkness so much that it like you can like it's almost creepy and you can almost feel it? This is the darkness that he brings. It's so dark that people are literally doing this. They're trying to figure out where they are and what they're doing. It's a thickness to it. And the final thing, this darkness was total. 
You remember I talked about this concept of, of watching the movie? And I don't remember what it did. It, I've probably 30 years since I've watched the silly thing. But I, you know, I think it was kind of like they were kind of in the palace and there was still the fire and all these things going and they're looking out and somehow it's dark over the city. But somehow Pharaoh isn't affected. I don't know if that's what happened or not. But listen, that is not what we see here. Can you imagine this for a second? You get up and it is dark. You don't know what time it is. You don't know what day it is. You've lost sense of time and everything else. So you go, huh, i got to find a match. So you try to find to make fire, and you can't even make a spark. Like, it is complete and total darkness. There is, there's no artificial light. There's no light. It is dark. It says that the people couldn't even move. Can you imagine? Maybe you're, you're someplace else when this hits. Your kids are at home and maybe you're someplace else. And it's so dark you can't even move to them. You're separated. Plus, we don't see in Scripture where God says, hey, let them know it'll take three days. They have no idea when this is going to happen. They have no idea when this is going to stop. I remember when I was a kid, I don't know... Um, if they do this here in Colorado, or even if they still do it where I grew up in, in Missouri, but fourth grade was Missouri history year, basically, where I grew up. And so basically in all history class or, or social studies, whatever you call it, in fourth grade, we'd learn about Missouri history and we'd learn about, oh, the Oregon Trail started here and, and you know, we'd learn about Mark Twain and all these you know, famous Missourians and all this sort of stuff and, you know, learn about Lewis and Clark and all that sort of stuff. And I remember one of the things I really enjoyed in fourth grade was learning about Mark Twain, learning about Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. I loved those stories. I thought they were great. And because my mom and dad were nice and kind of humored me at the time, they said, hey, let's take a vacation and let's go to Hannibal, Missouri. Hannibal is where Mark Twain grew up. It's on the Mississippi River. It's close to St. Louis. And, and then we can go do that and see Tom Sawyer's house and the whitewash fence and all this sort of stuff. So we had a great time. And while we were there, they had caves. And there's these huge caves in that area of Missouri. And in the story, if you know the story of Tom Sawyer, he goes into a cave and so on and so forth. So I remember this was one of the first times I can remember being in a cave. And it was, you know, it was really hot outside, so you get inside and it's nice and cool and all those things. And I remember at some point in the, um, in the tour that we're on, the, the tour guide said, okay, we're going to turn off the lights. Because if I remember correctly, they get lost. I haven't read Tom Sawyer in a long time. But they get lost in the cave and they have candles, but eventually they'll go out or something like that. And they can't find their way out. And he said, I want to show you how dark it is. And so he flipped off the lights. And I have never been in darkness like that. You know, you talk about the, uh, I can't see the hand in front of my face stuff. Like it was, it felt, it, it was almost like a darkness you could feel. And I started, and he maybe kept the lights off for like 15 seconds. And I kind of was like going, okay, I don't like this. Like, like I know I'm safe. I know, but you just, you just didn't know. It's like at any moment somebody, you know, could, and I was the older brother. So I would have been the one doing this, of course. But you know, it's like somebody going to be like, ah, you know, and you'd be scared. But it's just, dark. And I was like, no, no, no. I felt very relieved when the lights finally came back on. This darkness was like that times a thousand. Can you imagine the fear? Can you imagine the panic? Can you imagine the confusion? Because here's the thing. We read it and go, oh, okay, look, uh, darkness so thick. Okay, that's kind of tough. Three days. Okay, three days. They didn't know three days. The lights could have turned off permanently. Can you imagine how that would have felt? 
Can you imagine what would be going through your mind at that particular moment? Like now, it's kind of funny, now we try to go on hikes or try to go camping where there isn't any light. Why? Because we want to see, you know, can you imagine the darkness in a place that had no quote-unquote light pollution? All they had was fire, and now you couldn't even get a spark. I don't know about you, but that would be amazingly difficult. You want to talk about panic, fear. You want to talk about confusion. You couldn't move. You couldn't do anything. All you could do was sit and pray or hope that at some point the light would come back on. But here's the thing. Here's what we need to understand. There is a place where the light remains. Let's look at it again. Exodus 10, 23. During all that time, the people could not see each other and no one moved, but there was light as usual where the people of Israel lived. I don't do this all the time, but I I just love how the New King James writes this scripture. Listen to what it says. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. I love that. They had light in their dwellings. It, it, it speaks to not just that concept of having light in a house or light in a place, but literally light that lives inside of them. It is a light that is shining forth. It is a light. Can you imagine what that would be like? You are sitting here. It is dark. You cannot move. You cannot do anything. You are confused. You are hurting. You are fearful. You, you, you don't know when the light will ever, if it will ever come back on. And somehow you look out into this land of Goshen, this place where these backwards, crazy people live, and you see something, you see just a small, little, tiny pinprick of light. Listen, you need to understand this. Look with me. If you are a follower of Christ, there is light in your dwelling. There is light in your dwelling even though the world around us can be dark even though there is fear confusion all these things that bring forth darkness there is light in our dwelling look at Matthew 5 14 through 16 with me this is what it says Jesus is speaking he says you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket instead a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father we have a light listen jesus doesn't say you have to work at being the light he doesn't say sometimes you can be the light he simply states you are the light if you have christ in your heart if you are living for him there is light in your dwelling There is a light that wants to shine forth. But there's a problem. They see the issue sometimes is, and Jesus nails it, is even though there is light in our dwelling, we tend to want to cover it up. 
We want to tend to put the basket over it. Listen, we grew up, we know the song, this little light of mine, put it under a bushel or a basket. Oh no, I'm going to let it shine. But for some reason, we have allowed ourselves to be covered up and not allowed our light to shine in a world that desperately needs the light. Sometimes it's easy when you live in the light to forget that others are still living in a darkness that we sometimes have a hard time understanding. And because of that, we tend to forget how important our light can be. Listen, you need to get this. In a world full of darkness, crisis, fear, confusion, where people cannot find their way. It is the people of God that have the light and the answers. You say, Aaron, really? Really? You couldn't have just left it at light? You had to put answers? You're darn right I had to put answers because I'm tired of people stop not having the understanding that we do. How dare you say we have the answers? How dare you have that type of truth? I'm not standing on what I have said. I am standing on what God's word has said. And I believe we have the answers. And I believe it's time that we stand up for the answers. Because whether we understand it or not, people are looking for the answers. They don't know where to go. They're wandering around. They are literally in their lives those thick darkness, they're doing this. We have a light in us that God wants us to shine forth to show His glory and His goodness, but instead we're saying, you know, maybe that light isn't the truth for you. When Jesus specifically said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yeah, that's pretty exclusive but I didn't write the book and I didn't say what God said and God loves us enough to say this is the way this is the answer and his followers better be ready to give an answer when they're called upon to do so as Paul told Timothy always be ready I believe it was Paul forgive me if I'm wrong but I know that we're always to give an answer always give an answer there is the world around us that desperately needs Jesus. We have the light that can literally change the life of an individual. Take them from a destiny of destruction to a destiny of light and hope and eternal life. And yet, we're afraid and we put our basket over our light. And that really brings us to the final thing. And it's quite simply this. I had just a simple question. What are you doing with your light? If you are a Christian, there is a light in your dwelling. So the question becomes, what are you doing with your light? You see, here's what I believe and here's what I know. The darker the season, the greater the opportunity the people of God have to let their light shine. Listen, I'm not thrilled with the way that the world's going. I'm not sitting there going, oh boy, oh boy, it's getting darker. But you know what? We can go, oh boy, oh boy, it's getting darker. Why? Because now our light can shine brighter. Who we are and what we believe and the hope that we have in Jesus can shine brighter now than it ever has before. We have an unbelievable opportunity. And I don't want to waste it. I want to use it as an individual and as a church. What are you doing with your light? Let's look at a story that I believe Jesus tells to help us to, to see this 
in a very important way. It's Luke 19. Luke 19, we're going to look at a couple of scriptures from 12 to 13, then we're going to jump to 15 and through 26, is what it says. He said, Jesus speaking, a nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Before he left, he called together ten of his servants and divided them among, uh, divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying, invest this for me while I am gone. After he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants who he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made ten times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with a little I entrusted to you, so you will be governor of ten cities as your reward. The next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and I made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. You will be governor over five cities. But the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and I kept it safe. I was afraid because you are a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you did not plant. You wicked servant, the king roared. Your own words condemn you. If you knew that I'm a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then, turning to the others standing nearby, the king ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has ten pounds. But master, they said, he has already got ten pounds. Look at verse 26. Yes, the king replied, and to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. What are you doing with your light? What are you doing with the gifts, the talents, the abilities, all the things that God has entrusted you with? What have you done with your light? Because here's the bottom line. Here's the thing we need to understand. If you are not faithful with what God has entrusted to you, he will take it from you and give it to someone else who will be faithful with it. Listen, the t we, we talk, we, we, I've heard this more than I've ever heard it in my life. Jesus is coming back soon. This is, this is wrapping up. Is it? I don't know. We're going to find out. All I can tell you is this. We're closer today than we were closer yesterday. God could come back tomorrow. He could come back in 10 years. I don't know. But what I do know is time is running short. And I believe that God is starting the process of saying, if you're not going to use this, I'm going to give it to somebody that will. If you're not going to allow yourself to be a light, I'm going to give it to somebody else that will. And I believe that there is a weeding process that is beginning to take place in the church. There is, now listen, I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm, I'm talking about your ability to be the light that God has called you to be. And here's the thing that I believe and I know is that every single one of us have a light that we can shine in a dark place. But what are you doing with your light? How are you working to let your light shine wherever God has placed you? You say, Aaron, I'm retired. God hasn't placed me anywhere. Well, listen, unless you've been locked in your house the last week, you can probably be a light someplace. 
And listen, I'd say this. Find a place to be a light. One of the things I believe, and listen, I, this, is, this is Aaron's opinion, okay? I'm clarifying that. And I think there's some good things with it as well. But I, I believe that one of the reasons that we are seeing so many people work from home is because it's harder to be a light when you're working from home than it is when you're in a workplace. Now, am I saying that's bad? No, I'm not. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying I can see the way the enemy can use something. So what's that mean? Simple. you got to be a light more diligently. you got to work harder to be a light. When you go out to lunch this afternoon, you better be a light. When you go to Target tonight, you better be a light. When you're in your home with your family, you better be a light. And then when you have the opportunity at work or at school, you are the light. I want to leave you with this question because it literally started to blow my mind when I thought about it as I was writing this out. Imagine how bright the light would be if we all choose to get rid of the basket. Imagine how bright the light would be if we all said, you know what? I'm not putting it under a basket anymore. I'm not covering it up anymore. I am standing for truth. I am standing for the Lord. I'm standing for the light that He's produced in me. And I want people to understand that, know that, and come to know Him. What if we all went home? What if right now we all said, you know what? I'm taking the basket and I'm not putting it over my light anymore. I'm not going to allow myself to be covered when there is a dark world that desperately needs Jesus. Desperately needs Him. As I was looking at this scripture and, you know, as I was putting this together, you know, I, I didn't think I was going to stop um, at plague number nine, you know, I bet you if I took a poll last week and said, okay, here's where we're at in the story. What do you think I'm going to talk about next? Most of you would probably go, oh, it's going to be, you know, plague number 10. Here's the thing that was really interesting. Because I don't believe God does anything on accident. Okay, I believe the, the plagues happen in order the way they did for a reason. And we're going to get more into this, just, just you know, but, but listen about this. There's these things that take place. The ninth plague is the plague of darkness. The tenth plague is the plague of death. It's the plague where if you don't have the blood of that lamb over your doorposts, death's coming to your house. I think it's interesting that God in his perfect timing before that plague showed those people how deep and dark things can be without him. And because there was not a light that began to shine from the people of God, death came to homes of people. I've heard it said, I've heard, I probably said it myself, this world's getting darker. 
Folks, do you understand why this world is getting darker? It's because very, very soon there is going to come a time when the grace and the mercy is going to be withdrawn. Folks, we are talking about eternity. We're not talking, listen, I'm excited about the football games this afternoon too, but we're not talking about them right now. We're not talking about political things. Is it important? Absolutely. But we're not talking about those right now. We are talking about the souls of people that are wandering around in darkness. And we have the light and the answers. And I will tell you this, if we are not the lights, there is a good chance that a lot of those individuals will experience death. And I'm not talking about just physical death. I'm talking about spiritual death, separation. And then they are going to experience a darkness that would have made the darkness for three days in Egypt literally look like me in a cave for 15 seconds. Say, Aaron, I don't, I don't like when you do this. I don't, I don't, I, I, aren't you going to say something to make me feel good? No, I'm going to tell you some truth. And the truth is, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. And too many of us are sitting behind the scenes with our basket covered. You see, the light is still on in the people of God. If you are a Christian, there is light in your dwelling. But what are you doing with your light? It's time. It's time to be the light of the world. It's time to allow God to come and use us to be a light that shines in the darkness. That changes situations through the power and the authority of Jesus. We prayed this morning about a renewal and a revival that I believe God wants to do. And you know how I believe it's going to come about? By Christians that say, I am not going to put my light under a basket anymore. I'm going to stand up for truth and for God and allow my light to shine. And here's the thing. Here's what you need to understand. If you've ever been in a dark place, if you've ever been in a place where you're doing one of these numbers, you know what you do? It doesn't matter how faint, it doesn't matter how small, it doesn't matter how far. If you see light, you're walking towards the light. If you see light, you're headed that direction. Every single one of us would do it. If I had the ability to turn out every light here, block out the sun because we got windows, and make it dark, and I went over in that little corner, and I had a little lighter, and I went, tss, 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 guess where you'd all head? That way. Every single one of you. Some might take longer than others. Some of you may be more stubborn than others. Some of you may be more comfortable in the darkness. But the bottom line is you're headed towards the light. I believe with everything in me, because of the way God created every single human being on this planet, that when there is light, we are drawn to the light. We are drawn to the God who created us and desires to have fellowship and intimacy with us. What's the problem? The problem is in dark places, there's not enough light. You be the light, and here's what will happen. People will naturally go to your direction. Jesus said if the Son of Man is lifted up, if the light is shown, all men, God will draw all men to 
himself. He said, Aaron, I don't know what to say. Aaron, I don't know what to do. Aaron, I can't do that. Aaron, I can't just be light. How do I have light? You have light in your dwelling. Who you are because of what Christ has done in you. You are light in a dark place. Go be the light. Go shine brightly. And allow God to do what God always does, which is draw people to himself. Why? Because we were created for the light. Even though we ran and rebelled, we were created for the light. So I want to pray with you and over you as we kind of conclude. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed, just to focus, okay? And if you're, if you're watching at home, listen, you, you've seen me, I'm weird looking, you don't need to look at me, you, you as well. Let's focus for a moment. And let's ask ourselves a simple question. What are you doing with your light? What are you doing with your light? Now listen, hear me here. Sometimes when I, when I share something like this, the enemy will try to come along and be, boy, Aaron, he's kind of mean. Aaron, he's kind of intense. Aaron, listen to me, hear me here. I want you to understand this is a passionate plea of my heart to you to be the light. And when I get excited, sometimes it comes across in a funny way. But this isn't to shame you. It is not to guilt you. It's to help you understand that the basket needs to be removed. So do not, listen, do not allow the enemy to lie to you in this moment. Understood? Okay? Please. So Father, right now we come to you and Father, I pray in the name of Jesus through your Holy Spirit that you would bring forth a clear understanding of what we are doing with our light. Father, if you need to bring holy conviction that you would do so now. Not guilt, not shame, because you don't work in guilt and shame, but a conviction that helps us to understand, you know what? I've been putting my light under a basket. You know what? I haven't shined the way I should have been shining, but that we would do that because you are calling us to a deeper place, a deeper responsibility, a deeper calling. Father, it says in your word, to whom much little is given, much will be, as we, as we work with these little things that then you will give us bigger things we saw it in our scripture and so father i pray that we would start being faithful in these little things that we would start being a light in these little areas so that you could use us to make a bigger impact but god don't let us be so afraid to show our light that we never are allowed to have the honor and the excitement of being light in a dark place but father let us be honest with ourselves let us look with your gentle, loving kindness that leads us to repentance to understand what you called us to do. Because, Father, I believe this with everything in me. If we're still breathing, if you haven't taken us home, you are still have opportunities for us to be light. It could be through conversations. It could be with, through times of prayer intimate, deep times of prayer that we can be a light in a dark place. Father, I'm not here to tell people what you've called them to do except to help them all understand that you've called us all to be light because there is light in our dwellings. 
Father, I leave that to you to illuminate those things in the hearts and the lives of people. But Father, I pray for me. I pray for every individual here, every individual that's online, that Father, today, we would make a commitment to you to get rid of the basket. Our world is dark. And we can complain about it. We can moan about it. We can shake our fist at it. Or we can do, Father, what you've called us to do, which is simply be the light in it. And Father, when the light comes, it dispels the darkness. The only reason we are seeing the darkness, Father, that is in this world is because your followers have refused to be the light that you called them to be. Period. Because darkness cannot survive where there is light. So, Father, I pray that the baskets would be removed not just in this family, but in every church family in Broomfield, every church family in Westminster, every church family in this state and in this country, that we would finally understand and know that we can live without the basket and bring light to a dark world. Father, we need you. We can't really do this without you. So we look to you to anoint us, to use us and to help us to accomplish the great, amazing plans that you have for us as individuals and us as your church. God, you're so good. You're so good. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, I know that this morning has been a little different. It's going to be a little different for the next couple of, of, uh, of weeks. Um, but I'm excited about this season that we are in as a church. I'm excited about how God is going to use this. So I would ask that, that this week and out throughout these entire three weeks that you would just really bathe this time in prayer, that you would really... Um, allow this time to be a, a refreshing time, a time of just celebration, a time of worship, a time of, of, of allowing those things that we see in Acts 2.42 to be on display in your heart and in your life and in this church, all right? So listen, thanks for being here. For those that are online, we love you, we miss you, we hope we see you soon. Remember, there's a sign-up sheet out in the foyer to help us out with some brunchy type of food. Um, so please sign up for that. I hope you have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week. God bless you.